Whoa! Coming in hot! Whoa! Whoa. Like somebody in a movie trailer as something speeds by going like... Or like the, uh, <laughs> the Zoom Zoom kid from those Mazda commercials. Zoom 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 Zoom. Imagine being his parent. Do you think it was a kid or like a Tommy Pickles thing? Or it was like a grown ass grown woman, woman with like, like a raspy voice? Zoom Zoom. <laughs> Uh, it's a weird, pro, weird campaign. It is strange to me, yeah, that like the go-to for voicing young children is like adult women who chain smoke. Like, happen to happen <laughs> to sound like what babies would sound like if they could talk. Come on, guys. <laughs> Tommy Pickles, strange character. He had a lot of gusto, though. Gusto, ah. Uh. He was a fix-it man. Do you think I ever have bad breath? In the time mm. you've known me, do I ever have bad breath? I told you that my dad, every time he talks to me, he's like, oh, Jesus. And I can't tell if that's like his polite way to say <laughs> that he knows I've been like smoking pot or something, but I don't like, uh -huh. yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like whenever you're that close to me, there's so much more that's like stimulating my sentence senses that your breath is the last thing I care about. It's usually my wild gesticulation and the fact that I'm dripping sweat on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Bennett? Um, not bad, not bad. Um, not much has changed since last we spoke. I'm uh, still 230 pounds, pitching a okay, pitching a, pitching a shutout here. <laughs> uh, how have you been? How's your week been? Good. Can I relate a strange thing that happened at the bar the other uh, night? By, by all means. I was. We're, it's about one forty, so it's just about sh shut shutting time, and anybody that comes in past like one twenty is like a complete piece of shit, terrifying or wasted or so, something's up. It's never just a a couple that's like, ah, let's go out for a late night drink. It's always like they've been pinballing downtown all night, and then they end up in the. Let me show you this speakeasy and they're blacked out and so this couple comes in and they're real nice and i was like oh maybe they're maybe they work at a bar around here and they're like real kind to make them a drink they're real pleased i'm like okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pretend i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tell myself that these people are totally normal and uh you know when you overhear a conversation and you can't tell if they're fighting or if one person is relating a story that about somebody else that they're angry at? Like you just hear like, fucking, stupid fucking, mm -hmm. fucking piece of shit. Right. And you're like, oh, they're probably just talking about somebody else they're pissed at. Which is like, what's the difference at that point? If I'm relating to this story when I, where I'm super fucking pissed and I'm like, and this fucking guy comes up to me and he's fucking like, suck my ass, dude, and kiss my fucking ass. And it's like, you're just yelling at the person at that point. Right. This person's not your friend. This is just another punching just target, bag to you. Yeah. Anyway, so um, th that's happening. The guy is doing that. And I'm like, he's probably talking about his boss or something. And then it gets a little clear that he's like a, upset at her, but it's like they're still keeping it below the belt. And they were really nice to me, so I wasn't saying anything. And then at one point, he just slams the bar, slams it with his fist. And he's like, all right, we're out of here. Give me my check, points at me. And I was like, whoa. 
you need to chill out. I need you to get out of here. And he's like, yeah, that's why I need my check right now. And I was like, that's what I'm fucking doing. If you keep this up, you're never going to come back here. He's like, I don't need to come back here. This is stupid. And then I was like, just looking at him and my coworkers like, chill the fuck out. He's like, okay. He's like really huffing and puffing. And then I have to print the check, which takes like seven seconds. So he has to like keep up this performance of like, but there's like one too many beats in between. And so he's just like, you'd be, too, you'd be pissed too. If your girl che- slept with another guy and then simultaneously me and my coworker was like, I who fucking cares? She was like, dude, that is your problem. <laughs> and just save it, buddy. It's 2019, bud. It's 2019. It's called it's called a healthy yeah. relationship. Joke's on you. I've got a cuckolding fetish, you fucking asshole, you small-minded prick. <laughs> You're probably still sleeping in a queen-size bed with your girlfriend, not even on fucking two twin beds or a bunk. <laughs> Ass. <laughs> and so I give him the check, and then he, like, I give it to him, and it's right in front of him, and then he, like, take he like moves it closer to him like forcefully i'm like and at this point this girl had just hightailed it out of there like made the extremely wise decision of like oh fuck this whoop just out the door he uh signs the check and i i walk away because uh, there's no reasoning with this man signs the check gives it back it looks like it was a zero dollar tip but then it was a ten dollar tip on like 30 bucks and i was like oh that's weird like okay and then he like (laughs) he left his jacket there and i was like i'm not bringing it back and then my coworker goes around like picks it up and he comes back and he's like gets the jacket he's like thank you very much (laughs) and then leaves and i was like okay so what happened here was this guy (laughs) i guess knew he was being an asshole but like couldn't finish the performance of being an asshole to me and to the bar, even though like the girl had left, he had to still be like Mr. Huff and Puff, but he knew that he was being an ass to us. So he tipped us really well. And, and that, and that was kind of solidified when he came in and said like, thank you very much for holding on to my jacket. And he left just strange to me. It's like, okay, just tip zero. Cause then this would all make sense. And I would be like, Oh, you're just an asshole. That's cool. Threw me for a dang loop. Uh, it's pretty wild stuff. He must have been trying to prove to his, uh, his cheating girlfriend that he's the real alpha, not this, uh, not this new guy, not this new Chad. Uh, I had a weird experience at a bar last night. Jenna and I went to Costas, and a guy outside told me I had great hair, something I never expected to hear in my life. As someone, as one of the few human beings alive with worse hair than POTUS, it's really not something I expect to hear, even from <laughs> someone who's blind drunk. Uh, very strange. Um, so I've been glowing. Did you? Was it like? Was it like when one tricks complimented your shoes and you were like, are you kidding? I was like, are you making fun of me? Yeah, it was a very similar situation because I did go back with like, <laughs> oh, are you serious? Um, one of 10 people at, at Costas too, who's apropos of nothing, asked me if I'm Jewish. So I guess I really, really read as Jewish. Um, <laughs> hey, buddy, cool hair. You you Jew? <laughs> yeah. Um, I got the hottest take of, uh, I got the hottest take we've ever had on Real Rap here, Shane. I liked Somewhere. I uh, just gave it four stars on Letterboxd. Oh! Yeah. Oh! Damn! Hold on. Let me fucking... Where's my fire alarm? Where's my bell? That's unexpected. I mean, it's not like... I didn't think it was, like, spectacular. It's definitely the weakest of our films that we've watched, but, yeah. Well, okay. It started out 
and that car is going around in a circle. It's a kind of like a landscape. And I'm like, ooh, she's getting her, her little Peter Hutton, uh, Peter Hutton tail. Um, she maybe is doing something interesting. I'm going to let you go first since you did like it. Um, my yeah, thoughts I mean, I, are more lackluster. I, I definitely saw the, the, the Hutton and the Benning influence. I mean, you know how much I love that stuff. From the crazy bastard who brought you 13 lakes. You know, I love, <laughs> I love shit like that. I love movies that just kind of make you sit with something. Um, course yeah i don't know i I, once again she kind of you know exactly what you're in for from the opening scene um Uh this guy's driving around in circles um i don't think she's breaking any new ground or making any like any um world changing statements about like the nature of fame or anything like that but Uh as far as like a movie to live in as far as like a mood piece um yeah i don't know there are worse ways to spend 98 minutes i i I found i know i'm I'm doing exactly what i hate when movie critics do like yeah you know it didn't make me want to fucking kill myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, I think Stephen Dorff is an actor I've never thought anything of besides those Blue East commercials. I think he's pretty winning. Um, Chris oh, Pontius, of all right. people, gives a really um, kind of like heartfelt, like fun performance. Doesn't fucking walk around in like a banana sling. Uh-huh. Um, and Elle Fanning, really uh, winning. Um, but I felt that this movie, with the, it, it, she gave everybody the opportunity to like express themselves at length but seemed to be directing them to do the exact same thing in every scene. Like the scenes where he's sitting around, he's literally only sitting around and there's nothing interesting that happens that might actually happen in real life. Yeah. I, I just, I think it's, it's one of the more, it's, it's a movie that like in depicting a depressed character shows you a pretty good window into like what like depression and just sort of like aimlessness actually looks like. It is just a lot of like sitting in rooms, like waiting for something else to happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like no one has ever, no one has ever had more lackadaisical sex than Stephen Dorff in this movie. I mean, he doesn't even consummate. He just falls asleep. Right. As he's about to eat her out. But I felt that in uh, like movies by people like Peter Hutton, use that long shot that long peter hutton is like a what we call a slow cinema filmmaker who bennett you'll be able to describe this um yeah i mean hutton uh landscape filmmaker um the late peter hutton i I would say benning is more of what you're talking about with the sort of like static shots that really force you to kind of like um reconsider what you even like consider to be a movie he's got these uh famous films the two most notable probably being uh 13 lakes which is 13 10 minute shots of 13 different lakes and uh 10 skies which is 10 uh 10 minute shots of different uh expanses of sky um i know that sofia coppola mentioned um chantal ackerman as an influence on the film Mm -hmm. i would wonder if she's maybe seen these uh these sort of slow cinema documentaries um wouldn't shock me um, I don't know. I um, I just really uh, I I I like the troll of a movie that gives you absolutely nothing to hold on to. Like Stephen Dorff might have like ten lines in this movie. Yeah, having a like a fucking structural absence as your central character and really like committing to that is is uh is kind of bold. I don't I like people. A couple critics fucking go hog wild for this movie. Richard Brody called it one of the most radical movies ever produced by Hollywood, which oh. I think is a little out of bounds. <laughs> it's a little much. Like again, like you're a professional film critic. Do you mean to tell me you've never seen like a James Benning movie or a Shuttle Ackerman movie? Like I know again, I know those aren't Hollywood, but like this is really the only movie you've ever seen that asks you to like look at a static shot for three minutes. I mean, I think um, it's it's based on what we've seen from her, it's a huge step in kind of 
a different direction in resisting the urge to move along, move the plot along, resisting the urge to like further characterize these people and basically sitting in a static understanding of kind of everyone's relationship besides the, the, the man's to himself, like the, the, the guy's relationship to his own, I don't know, the events of his own life seem to be just out of sorts. But, um, I, I, I find that with somebody like Peter Hutton, he'll give you this long take and so much, there's so much possibility in that because he's willing to have a, he's willing to capture something that has the variable, uh, like, a. it has the potential to change or be influenced by natural elements or, uh, or the actors that he has in some movies like Landscape Suicide do something that's you think is going to go one way, but then just after you watch it for a certain amount of time, you're like, you kind of open yourself to a new way of understanding even like characters. Whereas it seems like she's using long shots. She's doing a different thing with characterization and plot, but, but ultimately moves in the same direction of like, here's a guy, uh, these are the characters that are in his life this is a struggle he goes through and this is how it's resolved. And I found it really painfully cheap, at, especially at certain points when she was resolving everything and, and the kind of final scenes when he's like, I don't know, doing some emotional work. But I, I what I found most upsetting was that she's, she uses the, has these long takes and then ends up kind of use using them as plot devices or just like, kind of further characterizing this thing that she's already hammered home of like him sitting on the couch. It's like, yeah, I'm in that place, but there's nothing. She's not illuminating anything new about sitting on a couch. I, I, I agree with you. I think the movie uh, does not stick to landing. I think the ending sucks. I think the breakdown he has in the phone with, I guess a girlfriend mm. um, really puts too fine a point on it. Uh, a phrase that I love to abuse in this podcast. I think a better final scene for the film would have been when he's seeing um, El Fanning off to camp and he says, like, I'm sorry I'm not around and it's muffled by the yeah uh, propellers of the helicopter. I think that's, like, awesome because that's, like, not letting things get wrapped up. It's, like, not letting them get to this moment of, like, uh, catharsis mm-hmm. and, uh, and reconciliation. It, it much more in keeping, uh, obviously, with, like, the ending of something like Lost in Translation. Right. Um, I To your point about um, Benning and Hutton focusing on kind of natural spaces that are always like changing. I, I do remember a galaxy brain take when I was writing about like 10 skies being like, you know, really it's like, we're looking at an infinite number of skies. <laughs> you know, <'cause> always, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I, I think it's in keeping with the, the, her focus on these kind of like cloistered hermetic spaces that where, whereas Benning would focus on a lake that's, that's constantly changing and evolving and, mm-hmm. and is a living thing. She's focusing on a swimming pool, you know, the most uh, contained that's and uh, changing thing possible. And I, I don't know, I, I like that one shot where you think they're alone by the pool and it zooms out and there's like a bunch more people walking by. Uh-huh. There's an example of a real life sort of intervening in a shot. I um, I like, I, I don't think this movie has anything all that interesting to say about fame, but I don't think that it is aspiring to. Um, mm-hmm. I love when he's at the photo op thing with Michelle Monaghan and you see that he's standing on like a riser. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Stephen Dorff, a fam- famously diminutive actor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's really fam- I don't know if Stephen Dorff's really famously anything, but um I, I did appreciate that scene that we're not given any and this happens twice where women 
come into his life and are upset at him and we don't get any answer for that um but you can fill in all the blanks of like oh he, well he's this type of person so and i enjoy that he's getting texts from a blocked number the entire time that are like fuck you you fucking pig uh and you never find out who it is yeah unless it's supposed to be the person he calls at the end but i love that yeah mm-hmm. you fucking asshole what the fuck is wrong with you yeah um i i think all that len again lends to an air of isolation of kind of broken dreams of being like at the top and yet no one is there for you but again she just the only way she navigates that is by having that guy kind of have like a a breakdown um it doesn't really say anything more about like the social consequences of sleeping with people it's just like oh yeah he's like kind of fucked some women over and randomly like naked people will show up and it seemed like the the women that are in this movie are kind of more like set pieces to kind of build up the atmosphere um instead of saying something interesting about what it might be to be like one of those people she kind of all the women in this are kind of uh walked all over and they don't even seem to have anything to say for themselves yeah and i think it, it, it's, it's interesting to the degree to which Steven Dorff's kind of listlessness and, and it kind of shambling quality seems to almost like rub off on every character in the film. It's as if we're seeing all of them mm. reflected through his like perspective, like the strippers, for example, a, a pretty like unenergetic uh, routine. Uh-huh. Um, I, um, although I did the, the bit with the, the bit with the tennis rackets. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of soulful. It, I, it reminded me of a, like a movie like uh, Amer- American Honey or something. It's kind of like this like depraved performance that's done as good as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. I um I, I like too um on on the subject of the two strippers we see twice. I like that the way a lot like the way um, Marie Antoinette did with these sort of big like regal pomp and circumstance sort of ceremonies. There's a lot of like demystifying and showing mm. you just the kind of like logistical details Like you see yeah. them folding up their pole and like putting it in the suitcase right. after the photo shoot. You see him standing on the riser. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we not only get him in that crazy makeup, but we get like a minute and a half of him sitting with the mold. Okay. That was um, the it's, best it's that, shot. That was, that was good. Zooming and that could have been such with... a hack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did feel some really strange feelings seeing him with like he he was putting on they were doing some old man makeup and it was basically like all this mold is on his face for like supposed to sit there for 45 minutes and he just has he's just breathing through nose holes he doesn't even have the straws like you normally see which really stressed me out um i i thought that she could have stuck to getting set up for a movie or the, the you know what happens outside of when you're filming and that would have been really interesting but she kind of bounces to so many like she did Marie Antoinette and it's almost as if this is her experience of being on set of Marie Antoinette or like her experiences of being on different sets and having to like do press release shit which I've experienced and it's pretty fucking it's it's a lot like what this one's like having someone just carting the celebrity around really chipper and the celebrities hungover and they're like, okay, you're going here. Okay, are you go- you're going here. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you sure you don't need anything? Okay, cool. We're going to go this way. And like him getting phone calls in the morning. And, you know, that that was like, okay, that that probably actually happens. And, but again, I, I mean, she, she, she characterized 
characterizes a way of life for me, but I don't, it, it kind of just gets wrapped up. I, I wish she didn't have, it's, it's almost like she spends the entire movie setting up what, what should be a time in someone's life where they're like the precursor to doing like an emotional reckoning or the, the, the moments before, uh, like realizing you have to change your life, but spends the entire time doing that. And then just gives us like five seconds of him kind of making a decision that like, all this is wrong. This is so fucked up. I have to get out of here, which kind of makes the beginning seem so cheap. It's like, Oh, so all of this like fucking alienation and, and useless or like meaningless sex just leads to him like getting out of his car in the desert and smiling. That's how he wraps it up. I know it's not supposed to be like a solution and he's obviously getting himself into deeper trouble by just like walking into the desert with his keys left in the car. Spoiler. But I mean, maybe it's just like, okay, this guy obviously lives for the fucking screen and he just does some screen ass fucking screen ass movie ass guy uh like shallow <laughs> emotional transformation speaking of shallow it's like lady gaga said you know i, I live for the applause, <laughs> applause, applause. you mean not um, not not we're far from the shallow now no no it's just, oh, you, just you uh well <laughs> it's funny that you said shallow because i was gonna make that applause joke um you know once you call him a screen ass guy mm-hmm. speaking of ass I, have i told you before about my uh my uncle who's a farmer out in lancaster no well He's been having a little bit of a rough go of things lately. His, uh, his donkey just died. Oh, shit. Yeah, dead ass. <laughs> okay, speaking of ass, here's the part mm. of the show where I, <laughs> I talk about a tweet that I thought should have gotten more love. Okay. Uh, so Let's much hear depends it, on I'm my red baboon ass. Okay, wait, say it again. Did, you, did I miss it? I jumped the gun. Uh, okay. I said, uh, you're familiar with the William Carlos Williams poem, The Red Wheelbarrow. Oh, right? do I, I recited ever. all of it on this I got it tattooed on the back of my neck. Um, you'll remember it famously opens, uh, so much depends on a red wheelbarrow. So okay. I tweeted, so much depends on my red baboon ass. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> you got one fucking favorite. <laughs> Not from you, I noticed. Mm. Bennett, I'm off. I'm off. Okay, I'm out. I said, you know what, I'm out. I I, I actually got off Twitter and then I got a fuck, and you never get emails from Twitter, but today I got one that's like, uh, hey, your friends miss you. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm off the social media. Let me see, Ben. Let me, let me get, let me get you a like on there. I, let me get my guys on you. Are you, are you really off social media? I just don't have the, uh, I just don't have the apps on my phone. Yeah. Mm, I got rid of the apps and I, I found that I was just going to Twitter on Safari. Uh, oh yeah, I did that. And then I, I really had to be like, no, this is it. I'm done. What's your name in here again? Kid Midlane, everybody. Follow at Kid Midlane. Uh, I, uh, my avatar, in case you're wondering, is a picture of wild-eyed, rip-torn uh, <laughs> Norman Mailer before he swings the hammer at him. That Birdo mask you got is fucking disgusting. Oh, Watto, you mean? It is really gross. It has all these fake eyelashes glued onto it as stubble. It's really repulsive. Funny you should mention Birdo, though, because I was literally, I was just thinking about how I, one of the funnier things you've ever said is that there should be a meme that's like, hey, pass the bread and butter, and then it's like something that you would call your bread and butter. Yeah, you gotta and make I was that thinking meme that, one of these days. Like, what would that be for me? It would be like a bunch of pictures of like Michelle Williams in a Birdo costume. <laughs> oh, shit, I didn't see this uh, Uncut Gems trailer. Molto fucking Benny, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, and they just <laughs> they just announced a surprise screening at NIF that like Adam Sandler's gonna be the Q&A for, but it's sold out in a fucking hour. 
So tweet too late. Damn! Don't wake fucking no. daddy. You gotta take that fucking Watto mask to your. Is she, how's your uh, work haircutter doing? She okay? Her arm okay? Uh she still has not been How back, to commission? So had my haircut. She's gonna miss yeah. rent. You gotta go to her house and get a haircut from her. Say, listen, I'll I'll do it myself. You're like, listen, I just want to lend you a hand. You don't even have to cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> just help her like move shit around her house help her like reach <laughs> you bring one of those robotic arms with like a bow on it not robotic but those little crank arms that you can <laughs> those little like yeah. like shark mouth <laughs> arms yeah finger. <laughs> yeah uh, do you know ben franklin apparently invented those what not I mean, apparently he invented like the, the concept of like a grabber arm Oh my god. He obviously like yeah. invented like something cool and then people are like, Wow, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You gotta keep being an inventor. And he's like, What about uh uh an ar- a longer arm or a, a wig? And he went he went like so mad with power that he invented the N-word and then <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> That's when he was deeply syphilitic. Just waiting around like fuck. God, fuck, I got something. Come up with something new. He's got no teeth. He's like gumming on a popsicle. Gets up in front of the Constitutional Congress and just goes beep. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking Ugh. pisses all over the Constitution. That's why it's all yellow. It was actually just Ooh. a plain white piece of paper. But if you go look at it now, it's covered in yellow shit. It's, it's all Ben Franklin's piss and Button Gwinnett's dip spit. Yeah. <laughs> I um I didn't have a notebook in my book bag for some reason, so I was completely like in uh, in fucking disarray trying to like remember my thoughts about this movie. I couldn't take notes, so sorry if I'm like even less articulate than normal. <laughs> I got notebooks in my book bag and book notes in my nuts bag. Um, I the fishiest thing about this movie is that this guy drives an automatic Ferrari. Mm. Yeah. Sophia, I think Sophia was doing some some deep characterization here. I couldn't see any of the dang books on his shelf drove me absolutely nuts remember when he follows that chick in her car home yeah i swear she pulls into john cassavetti's house Looks really exactly <laughs> like where uh where uh seymour cassell jumps off the roof and runs down a little hill oh that'd be kind of a, a fun in joke from sophia oh speaking of fun in jokes Benicio del Toro is oh. in the uh, elevator at the Chateau Marmont. I think that is a reference to this arcane celebrity gossip story about Scarlett Johansson and Benicio del Toro in an elevator that was like the thing in the early aughts. What? I don't know where this started. It was a big like IMDb trivia fact. Like the sort of like there are quotes what? on Scarlett Johansson's like IMDb trivia page that are like referring to this incident. She allegedly had sex with Benicio del Toro in an elevator. I think maybe at the Chateau Marmont. And if you go back, watch like it, it's. I think she was on Letterman in like '05. And they banned plays Love in an Elevator. Love in an Elevator by Aerosmith. What? Love, love, love in an Elevator by, <laughs> love by Aerosmith. Love in an Elevator. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why this was a thing, but this was some sort of like TMZ thing that that, that she had had sex oh, with Benicio yeah. Del Toro in an Elevator. And I think that must elevator. be a reference to that. In the Chateau Marmont following an Oscars party after 2000, in 2004. Damn. No man. one like, fucking Roger Ebert makes reference to that scene in his review and he just thinks it's a joke that like oh they ran into Benicio del Toro while filming. No, Roger, no! I'm screaming to him from fucking beyond the grave. You idiot, you fucking slave trader physiqued ass fucking uh 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 
big breast loving uh, uh, ass <laughs> movie critic, you missed out on a crucial celebrity in joke in this movie. Oh man! Roger well, Ebert famously loved big fake cans. I don't know if you remember that detail. It's a weird. It's a weird reference. I gotta say. Very odd. But I think I think it I think that has to have been what that was referring to. Oh yeah, I feel like um, Sofia Coppola is the type of person who makes an entire movie just to make specific jokes to her friends about like the shitty guitar player at the Chateau Marmont and uh, and, and I'm the, laughing. I, hey, I'm pretending <laughs> that I know all the references. <laughs> I guess to a guy like you who knows all the minutia of like um, I don't know gossip, uh, Hollywood gossip. Um, this is a really richly textured movie, but for me, it's just like, oh, hotel. Yeah, I, 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 I cool. eat, sleep, and breathe like Hollywood politics <laughs> and awards narratives and gossip. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like Benicio del Toro being in the elevator at the Chateau Marmont here, I almost shit my pants. Oh my god, that is good. God, she sets god. up a whole movie for this joke. Doing the famous, uh, what's his name? Fucking. Uh, Brendan Fraser clapping at the Golden Globes, just completely having a stroke over that joke. Yeah, having a stroke and having a stroke. <laughs> um, that that Brendan Fraser joke. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I imagine it's really good. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm uh, I'm Nancy Pelosi clapping like this. Oh, there you joke. go. Of this is you, something you now that. this I can get into. <laughs> yeah, I'm owning Trump with my appreciation of this Benicio joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a hungry, hungry hippo for Sophia's movies, honestly. I'm just gobbling these marbles up. I really... Sophia Coppola has become among my favorite living filmmakers, really, through this series. It's such a it's such a fucking, like, passe. Like, I'm a guy who only, you know, watches movies that I that, that I uh, saw David Ehrlich review uh-huh. sort of take. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sue me! Uh... I, I'm glad they didn't overdo. They, they didn't make Elle Fanning's character like an especially precocious kid. Like she's shown to be like resourceful and sort of like 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 she cooks a couple times. Uh-huh. Um, and she's shown to be like talented, but she's not shown to be like she's not like constantly like I don't know like correcting people. That's grammar right. Or, like, yeah, pulling out little fun facts. I, and like I don't know. I it probably says more about me than the sort of filmmakers who no. are want to introduce like precocious kids. But I fucking hate a precocious kid in the movie. Yeah, yeah. She was just kind of like just interesting she had her quirks and she had her skills uh okay one thing that i don't know how to say this but she's showing these two strippers she shows two scenes of them and so far they're like some of the only women in the movie and we get these extended shots of them doing this stripping performance um and you got you got you get their at your their ass in your face, the works watching them strip, and then five minutes later, not even she's cutting to Elle Fanning doing this like extended ice performance, which is like kind of has similar moves to like these strippers, and and I found throughout the movie that I'm kind of being asked to be put in this place with like women's breasts these like sexy models that are like throwing themselves at steven dorf and then like l fanning and i felt um Uh, kind of i guess she was trying to intentionally put me in this uh uncomfortable place i guess it's it's like she's asking us to like 
like see women in this performative sexual way and then watch this like innocent non-sexual performance by also a woman like back to back and i was like she kind of doesn't touch on it enough to make me feel like it's somewhere deeper i'm supposed to go with this i i think an important part of that cut is um he he's pretty um he, he seems almost disinterested in the performance from the strippers and when we first cut to Al Fanning skating, he's like checking his phone, and then there's the moment when he's sort of he's like, really enwrapped. He's now yeah. finally enwrapped attention. I, I mean, I guess that's supposed to be the uh, mm-hmm. the sort of significance of the transition there is to see like he's finally like yeah uh, present. I don't know. I I, I just I, as someone who hasn't been present for even a moment since like, 2009, <laughs> I really I just really found it easy to relate to. I found it easy uh-huh. to get on its wavelength. Like I'm present on a good day in like four percent of my life, so it was just really like ah yes can can spend time with someone who just kind of aimlessly like scratches their dick and like drinks yeah, beer like, like me. I don't know. Um, oh, I think I just induced testicular torsion. Ooh, I got the shooting pain on my gut. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at your pain. I'm more laughing at the phrase testicular torsion. <laughs> I think I'm good. Um, but it happens again later on when, um, he gets old Dorf gets home and uh, Elf Fanning's there, and then he goes into his bedroom and there's a naked lady in there. And he's like, "Ah, let's fuck off. Let's go somewhere else." To his daughter, um, which at that point wasn't like comparing Elf Fanning's body to like a mature woman's, um, but yeah, it's just kind of like close together. Which I guess is at this point, um, Stephen Dorf's life has become sex or family, and ends up mixing the two together because he has no kind of boundaries it seems with anything he doesn't even have like a boundary with his where he lives or you know the people in his life or his phone or his friends or his own freaking body he's got a different head on folks he's got an old guy head on I like that shot too. I like the one shot of him seeing it in the mirror and being like, ooh, just being like Whoa. really unnerved. Oh, like shit. like looking like like Don Draper looking down the elevator shaft, honestly. Yeah. Um I um I like that the one bit with her in Italy and this woman that Stephen Dorf Dorf has I'm I'm pronouncing every fucking word wrong. I think I'm I think I'm having a stroke. Um hey, hang in Stephen there. Dorf <laughs> has swept with this woman and um she's like at she's like eating breakfast in the next day and there's nothing like there's no, there's no moment of any sort of like confrontation. There's no like, dad. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. just kind of like there. Uh-huh. Um, I like in general that like the, the 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 moment of like kind of like emotional catharsis we get between them. It, it's no sort of confrontation. There's not like a really like you're never there sort of a moment. Uh-huh. She does sort of start crying in the car at the end, but it's 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 fairly subdued as far as those sort of scenes go. Mm-hmm. And made me cry. I realize I'm a fucking sucker. If anybody starts crying in a movie, I cry. Like those people who, those liars who say if they hear someone throwing up that they have to throw up. If I see someone in a movie cry, I have to start crying. Right, right. I'm reading this trivia. Stephen Dorf, cho- Stephen Dorf chose to live at the Chateau Marmont during filming in order to get fully into his character. Oh, uh, that poor man. Yeah, poor guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing this for a part. It's like, no, you're escaping your life. You're escaping your children and wife so that you can live at a hotel. Can you really smoke cigarettes in the rooms of the Chateau Marmont, do you think? I mean, I guess celebrities can do whatever they Probably. want. But... I, I think it's the kind of place where anything goes. You can do, like, coke off the front desk. 
Mm-hmm. Speaking of, that's I don't know if you saw post Emmys that picture of Phoebe Waller Bridge smoking a cig went viral at the Chateau Marmont, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is such a fucking terrible role model, like policing an adult's choice to smoke a cigarette." So uh-huh. you know, maybe you can smoke a cig at the Chateau Marmont. I, I think you can. I think it's the type of place where sh- rooms are so expensive. It's kind of old Hollywood. Man, I love what does Hollywood. Benicio say when he talks about Room Fifty Nine? He's like, uh, um, room 59, I used to wank off in there. He says, like, I used to, yeah, I used to honk off in the sink or something. Mm. But he showed Lotor a famous sink pisser. I'll have you know. Sink pisser. Pisses in the sink. Likes it. Really? No, I just made that up. But okay. it kind of sounds like it could be true. He seems like that sort of guy, doesn't he? He's very, he's always very greasy. Yeah, I don't like you looking. saying that type of shit, okay? You can go to jail for fucking libel <laughs> for calling <laughs> Benicio Lotor a sink pisser. <laughs> It's, instead of me cutting it out, it's just me berating you. Don't say that shit! Bennett, shh! Bennett, shut up! I can't... I can't cut that out. I don't know how to edit, you ass. He's right behind He's me! Right be- <laughs> the guy who runs Fox Searchlight is right behind He's on his <laughs> phone. I don't think he can hear me. What, what was that old, like, AIM abbreviation for, like, parents over shoulder? It's like, Benicio over shoulder. <laughs> Benicio like, del Toro sh- pissing in right <laughs> behind me. Your mom's like, what? What? What the? If my parents heard any of the shit I've said about celebrities and whether or not they piss in sinks, they would be truly fucking mortified. If, PO- if parent over shoulder was POS, your parents would just think, oh, She's calling this person a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, boss. Oh, that girl is a piece of shit. In... Oh, who, Beth? Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> In the hotel party scene, after Johnny drops off his daughter, a woman can c- clearly be seen drinking Sophia, a sparkling wine in a pink can with a straw made by Francis Ford Coppola Winery. I gotta buy some of this Sophia wine. I mean, I think Sophia... Okay, I think that this is... I'm very, I'm really happy that this movie was made because obviously Sophia is just the kind of person that's flipping everybody off. Um, she's basically got an 18 wheeler with two mud flaps of middle fingers to anybody that has an mm-hmm. opinion and anybody in Hollywood. And this is obviously her being like, look how fucking ridiculous our lives are. But it seems like she's just as superficial as like, I mean, she's kind of proudly superficial, proudly Hollywood kind of royalty, and is like, yeah, this is my, look how fucking weird everything is. Mm. I I think at this point in her career, she's like, look how fucking weird this shit is, but like, I'm happily indulging in it. And I'm eating it up, and I'm indulging, baby. Oink, oink, oink. Oink, oink, oink. This pig is eating feed in a trough. It's a low-protein diet, but hey. It ain't nothing. Someone's got to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a living. (laughs) What was the budget for this movie? I imagine most of it went to uh, having uh, old dwarf head staying in the the old Marmont. Yeah, I have to imagine it was mostly just paying to it. Because it's shot. I mean, though he spends most of the movie in the Chateau Marmont, they do also shoot in Milan. So, um, I don't know. This probably costs like $10 million. Let's see. Uh, at one point, they have a bottle of Chateau Petrus wine on his nightstand, which is like a fucking $3,000 bottle of wine. $7 million, the reported budget. What the fuck? What did she spend it on? 
almost twice as much as Lost in Translation, interestingly enough. What? Which has Scarlett Johansson <laughs> and Bill Murray in it. What? <laughs> this cost more than... Lost in Translation Translation was filmed in fucking Japan. She did this in mm. her backyard and it cost more money. It's interesting that she pivoted to the one uh, nationality that it's still totally cool to make fun of. <laughs> <laughs> now she has some, <laughs> some, some nice yucks at the uh, Italian's expense. Yep. It's, you know, the thing about Hollywood is it's um, it's filled with creeps, and uh, there's nothing good about it. Would you ever? Hollywood. Would you ever move to L.A., Bennett? That's Los Angeles. That's that's. Um, I was gonna ask what you meant by L.A. Uh, oh. No, I don't think I would. I would have to drive, which I would actually rather have my dick and balls smash with a hammer than ever get behind the wheel of a car again. I could help you. Um, out have that. you ever been to L.A.? Have you been to L.A.? No, I've not. Uh, never been to California. I've been to L.A. and I saw the fucking Hollywood sign, and you know what? It was cool. No, it fucking sucked. It's you, like all. It's like you a were, desert. You were at Maria Shriver's house, right? And I you said she's sh- really into all sorts of like appropriative, like. Oh mm-hmm, my god! There's of. all this Kabbalah shit. Yeah, I was. Uh, my friend was friends with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, pa- Patrick Schwarzenegger. Uh, I remember just being kind of drunk. And yeah, uh, I remember uh, somebody, one of my friends was like, yo, let's, let's smoke cigs in here. And it was like this huge basement. And some, one of Patrick's friends came up and was like, dude, Maria will fucking beat your ass if you smoke a cig in here. <laughs> um, she, you said she had like the rich person's equivalent of like live, laugh, love. It oh, was just for like sure. The- <laughs> there was a huge like Kabbalah Buddha sitting on right in the, like, you know, when, you enter a house and there's like a long narrow table like in the mm, hallway yeah, yeah. there there was like a huge what's it called goddamn uh, uh, uh buddha buddha well it's like a skinny buddha it was like a rich guy buddha i don't know not a Ooh. not a fun buddha la buddha an la buddha yeah. so where 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 someone might have like a bowl for keys or, right uh, right no she had a candy. huge <laughs> ass live laugh love ass buddha I'm sick of eating fucking candy. I'm sick of filling myself to the brim with candy corns and and shoestring red vine ass food. It's real food to me, and I'm sick of it. It's making me sick. Oh, man. If I have one more Skittle, I'm going to fucking puke. <laughs> I ate so much. I was, when I was watching this movie, I Gotta really this felt here, like... Folks, I'm on a wired connection. Should be uh should be working fine. Right. Wired. Total shit. Speed test. Everything's looking good. Still losing. It. Frozen. Love love paying all this money for Wi-Fi. I when I watched this movie, I fucking I was in. I was Steven Dorff because I had nothing to do all day. I ate a ton of candy. Ate a shit ton of popcorn while I was watching it. Fell asleep uh, during the middle and had to like pause it because there was a point in the middle where I was like, God damn! When they were at the Italian Awards or whatever. And then uh, I woke up, finished the movie, and then just kind of put, uh, I think puts around is like not cool to say, but I basically just, you know, fucked off the the rest of the that. day. So you were not expecting, were you not expecting I would like this movie? Because I don't, I mean, um, I, I mean, I found it to be so deliriously up my alley that I couldn't help it. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was just like, okay, she's doing the landscape thing, but it's none of it. It's not good. She just It's like she was mimicking all the greats, but she had nothing to say. Given the tools of God and never never makes a peep. 
first i think i had a dream that you said you hated it so i was like yeah this sucks i i realized at the end that i think i might have seen this movie before you, you have that i think i've talked about this in the yeah, podcast where yeah. you realize You're in like, like I, the last I sequence know of the film, oh, i have seen this before <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know this yeah i saw the first like three quarters of this and i I th- and I remember being a ki- like I was at the age where I should have thought like yeah this is fucking cool nothing happens like finally a movie that's like trying something new, but I even uh-huh. at that point I was like fuck this turned it off. Right. Uh, yeah, and I- I'm surprised I didn't watch this as a teen. I guess because I had I guess because MrSkin.com had sort of like gone out by the time I was like <laughs> when it was 2010. By the time I was like 16, so uh-huh. I wouldn't have known that there was like so many breasts in a movie where literally nothing else happens. A movie where like. 30% of the, the, the happenings are Steven Dorff seeing someone's breasts. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, don't see his naked body. You see his, like, weirdly buff abs on top of his fat gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does when he's lying at the pool. He has the full-on, like, God, if I gain one more pound, I'm going to be just a fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> the simultaneous predicament of being fat and ripped. It's like what all WWE wrestlers are. Like, I think I remember Stone Cold having like a six pack on top of like a fucking pot belly. He's always drinking all that beer, yeah. You ever see a guy with like a true pot belly, like just an insanely massive belly? Like, the rest of their body doesn't even like match up to it. But like with like skinny limbs, um, twig ass legs. Yeah, I feel like you see that look every now and then. <laughs> just fucking twig ass legs. I feel like you see that look every now and then walking around. It's Looking like the strange. dang Octo Mom. Oh man, Octo Mom. Mm, talk about talk Octo-mom-y. about multiple Talk about talk about salchicha. Octo Mama Mia. <laughs> oh we Hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> Because I want to fight eight, her. Her eight kids hold me back. <laughs> Somebody hold me back. Why would you tell your friends to hold you back? I guess, uh, I mean, that. I, it kind of illuminates the performance aspect of fighting. It's like you're telling your friends, like, do the, do the part where you hold me back so that I can even greater, to a greater effect, get across of how angry I am that I have to be restrained. But it's like when you say hold me back, you kind of, knock down that wall but it also makes you an even tougher guy for not being afraid to like put on the full performance and like come on you're telling your friends come on do the thing with me so that it's like having a gang of greasers i wish i had just two sidekicks that i could be like tell that I guy I thank two friends, you yeah. <laughs> i wish i had two friends <laughs> um yeah the hold me back it, it gives you that out it's like the guy saying thank you very much when you gave him the coat it's like you know you get you, get, you right. know, have to show your true colors no hold me back please please, please hold, hold me, me back, back so I'm not because i can't <laughs> i'm not i don't actually want to fight this guy i need but i need the full effect that he thinks i'm going to it's an interesting development of fight culture i love internet fights love, fight love it unabashedly how about the fact, and I guess I, I, this had never occurred to me, I guess the trunk of Ferraris is in the hood. Oh, yeah. She really, I feel like she makes that joke one too many times. Mm, I, I, I laughed every time. <laughs> I my pants oh, that's laughed good. It's in the front. Oh, that's fucking rich. <laughs> These rich people are fucking crazy. Crazy Europeans. Yeah. I was like that gif of that guy in that. That fucking have you seen that gif going wild of that woman jerking that guy off and he's in some sort of like 
Han Solo Carbonite thing. He's in some sort of like latex <laughs> like, sarcophagus. Ladies and, like, and gentlemen, it's been a wonderful time here on Real <laughs> Rap. Look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you again, SplitToothMedia.com for hosting us. Bennett, do you have any last words? Yeah, sorry for all the dick talk on this one, guys. Sorry, you know. Sorry, I'm uh, the other candidate obsessed. The other candidates are talking about being horny on Main. <laughs> I'm the only one on this goddamn stage talking about being horny on Main Street. Uh, and check us out on, um, I don't know, some other platform. Peace. Oh, follow us on Letterboxd at Real Rap. Putting reviews on that website for all the movies that we've watched and links to every episode. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.